So, we're going to experiment with a really different kind of episode today. You know, every now and then, we just want to highlight some products that we love. Um, it's to remind us of these amazing side hustles turned full-time hustles all around us. <laughs> and honestly, it's just a good excuse to talk to people doing cool shit. Um, so today, I wanted, wanted to highlight Fahrenheit Coffee. You know, they're an amazing specialty coffee shop in Toronto. I go there every day. And this episode is about passion, it's about craft, it's about relationships. And I hope you enjoy. So here's Pencil Proms. So, fuck man, I was gonna... I don't know, maybe we start, like, uh... Who are you and uh, what, what, what do you what do? You do? Uh, my name is Samir, um, Samir Mohammed. I'm a barista and I own a couple coffee shops in Toronto. Cool. Uh, and the rest is super casual, I was going to keep that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, dude, how, why, why, why coffee and like, how did um, you get into this? So, when I was in my second year, second or third year at university, I decided that I wanted to be independent. Yeah. My parents were financing my whole education, yeah. my living situation, everything in uh, Montreal um, and uh, I basically said to them uh, I don't want your money anymore I'm gonna make my own money yeah. uh, and I'm gonna support myself so uh, they were super pissed about that um, because up until that point I just felt like I was controlled yeah 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 um, and uh, so cutting them off just meant that I had to step things up yeah. I had a very cushy lifestyle growing up yeah. uh, my parents gave me everything I wanted yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't I don't think I was spoiled but I think I was spoiled with affection and that sort of stuff yeah um, Were you like an only only child? No. Oh, okay. My uh, my brother went through the cushy lifestyle, enjoyed it. Yeah. It was like one of the in 1996, he was one of like the only people in his uh, at university with a cell phone. Yeah. Like okay. in 96, who had cell phones? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, so he was he was balling, going out and stuff. Uh, if you meet him now, you'd never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, it was just like you know what I. I spending all this money I'm, uh, I'm being controlled I have to ask for money whenever I need it. I hate asking yeah. I hate asking for anything yeah, any yeah. help or anything in any form I hate asking for yeah. so I'm just going to do it myself so I talked to some people I got a job as a as a as a telemarketer for American Express <laughs> okay um, I did that for two days and said okay yeah right yeah so there was a coffee shop right around the corner from uh, the management buildings in uh at Miguel. Yeah. And I said, I want a job. Right? I used to go there fairly frequently anyway. Um, and they said, um, yeah, okay, let's we'll keep our eyes open, lots of stuff. And I went back there every single day, twice a day, and I hung out there for an hour until they gave me a job. And then, like literally, I was two weeks in and I said, I love this. Yeah. I want to do this. Started putting together, like, I, like maybe two months into that, I decided on the name Fahrenheit. So sorry, this was this was a, a Starbucks. What was it? But no, this was, was a, it was like an independent coffee a, shop. a local coffee yeah. shop. But like, so what's what's crazy? And like, you know, on the podcast we do, it's all about like kind of uh, side projects and stuff. But it's not fucking. It's not leap from like, oh, this is fun to yeah. like, I'm gonna take this like serious. Right. And I find that that leap is like crazy hard. But for um, me, I think I think if if you really love it, yeah, it never gets serious. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's always something you enjoy. Yeah. Um, like I don't think I've ever stopped enjoying what I do. But so, but what 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 is it about I guess making coffee? 
I think it's a number of things. I think um, I think I'm good at it. Yeah. Right. Which is why I enjoy doing it. Um, I actually like making the beverages, and you know, like I mean, for me, in a lot of respects, um, I mean, when I went, when I was in school, I always excelled at the arts. Yeah. Um, I excelled at the arts. I excelled at the sports, but academically, I just never applied myself. Yeah. Um, I love math and physics, and I used to kill it on those. Um, but that's because I thought, you know, I'm so good at this thing, I do it. Right? Um, but um, when it came to when it came to coffee, I realized that you know there that I could diagnose coffee. Like I mean, for the first two years that I worked in coffee, I had no idea about the the depth with which you can explore coffee. I was just making fancy designs. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just like fancy, like yeah, art, fancy, yeah, fancy yeah, art, art stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I basically decided to say that you know what? There's so many other coffee shops in the city. Yeah. I'm gonna tell them that I can make their drinks look real pretty. Yeah. Um, and then um, I ended up walking into this one coffee shop, uh, and I said, "You know what? Your cappuccino tastes real good, but I can make it. I can make it look really good." Yeah. So um, I'd be happy to come in and teach your guys how to do it. And uh, the guy over there is like, "Yeah, okay. You know, come see me Tuesday. I'll uh, uh, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. I, we don't really have a need for it over here because you know we go through so many coffees a day, and uh, we have to bang them out really quickly. We don't have time for latte art." Yeah. So I said to him, okay, put me up against your, next, uh, your best barista, yeah. give us a lineup of drinks, and I guarantee I'll make them taste better and look better than anything you've got on there. Mm. I was a cocky, cocky son of a bitch. So this was, okay, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. I went to met him with my portfolio, I had all my latte art designs on my laptop. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's, it's like one of those HP laptops with a flip screen yeah. and you can show everyone touch screen and that sort of stuff. I felt so chuffed that I had it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we'll probably give you a couple of shifts over here, but I want you to meet my brother. Because he probably needs you for training at his facility. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I go see his brother, and his brother is uh, one of the most respected uh, coffee roasters in North America, mm. like largest roasting facility in Eastern Canada. Um, was there the foundation of the Specialty Coffee Association of America, which is the body that covers coffee now globally? Wow. Um, and had all these accl- uh, acclamations, like all these awards and all these other things for his, for his palate and his ability to do all that sort of stuff. So I had no clue. And I've stepped into this thing thinking that, oh shit, man, I know I'm Latte Art. I can show you I do all this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was very humbled by the establishment that I was watching. Wait, so, so when you went head to head though, did you. Did they, did no, they, they didn't take me on the head to head. They didn't okay. take me up on the head to head. That would have been nice. Because I think I'd have smoked there. <laughs> I think I would have smoked there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then I was working at the coffee shop for like two, two shifts a week. Yeah. Uh, and I was uh, at their coffee shop because I moved away from the other place. And um, I was uh, at the roaster facility teaching classes yeah. um, for, for the roaster and uh, um, teaching latte art and helping with their marketing and yeah. labeling bags and roasting coffee and coming back. So it's doing everything. Yeah. So this is a whole operation, I guess. A whole operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got to see like sourcing yeah. to roasting to bagging to, to distribution yeah, to all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I used to hold up pop-ups at like uh, uh, like Loblaws and shit like that. Yeah. Like, uh, actually, not Loblaws, but like um, the local grocery stores. Local grocery stores. Yeah. yeah. Especially grocery places. I used to basically make coffee. And then this is when I really started understanding the nuances of different coffees from around the world. Yeah. Um, now, in my previous job, one of the managers who I ended up co-managing with was um, the runner-up to the Lebanese national champion. Oh, okay. Uh, 
and I always thought if I'm going to put something down, I want to compete. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to show that I know what I've, I've got what I have, uh, what it takes to to be number one. Yeah. Um, so I started competing with these guys, and I did fairly well. Um, and since then, it's just kind of you get immersed, immersed, immersed in the industry. You get to meet all these people. I, I'm actually surprised. Like, in, I didn't know there was like a Lebanese like national championship. I thought it was just tea culture. Long. I thought that would be more, yeah, more no, no. Culture, okay? All over the world, like um, like you have like like the Philippines puts out like amazing uh, amazing baristas. Yeah. Um, and dude, honestly, anywhere in the world that you go, there is a national huh. body for coffee, and I didn't know this until this point. So, so you you, you started off being the latte art guy, mm. <laughs> and then you just got the whole depth of coffee. After yeah, that. and it was amazing because like, we would bring coffees in, we'd be tasting them, yeah, and. Yeah. Um, Savan Nesambulian is a guy who uh, owns Cafe Mystique, uh, uh, Tom White Cafe in Montreal. And he's, he was my mentor. Like, basically, he's like, uh, he was like a, a big brother, father father figure to me when it came to coffee. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a really like, just, just really trying to get under my skin just to, just to egg me on and stuff like that. Um, gave me lots of life advice that yeah. uh, always ended up coming back to me and said, Samir, I told you so. Right? Um, but he was the reason that I actually started understanding nuances and flavors and coffee. And I used to, I, I was immersed in the industry when I started working with him. Because we were getting coffees from all over the world. He used to have 52 different samples that we used to just taste together. And he would ask me for feedback. right? And this guy's like a super taster, whatever it is. And a very, very cute palate. Um, and you aspire to be that. Yeah. Right? So. Um, that was no. that was such a huge eye opener for me because then I could say that you know what this is what I want to be doing, like, for the, like I mean my my. Um, thanks, Mike. Um, uh, thank you. My 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 I guess my passion and my desire to be in the industry was reaffirmed at this point. Like that, right. it's like because it's also like there's the craft of it, but it's also like wow, this is like a legit. Yeah, this is this the is, yeah. There's so much more to learn, and yeah. in that respect, I was like, you know, this is really where I want to be. Yeah, and uh, I'm not gonna let anything hold me back. I'm just gonna keep on going. Whether it's working with these guys long term and seeing this any opportunity to it, yeah, or opening up my own spot. So, were you into coffee before all this? Like, like what? No, man, I used to. Yeah, I, I used to like literally like my thing was I'd go to the library. Or a second cup in Montreal, yeah, yeah. and I'd get like a Tim Hortons or a second cup, and spend the whole night there and like pound the shit out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when I started working in this particular coffee shop, it was all about latte, huh. right? Yeah, yeah. But when I started working with with these guys, it's just like holy shit. Eyes. Well, this is a random question, but someone asked me this recently, and it's like, what's your earliest like coffee memory? Earliest coffee memory? Yeah. Watching um, up my milk. I thought I was doing such a great job about texturing my milk. Yeah. And the guy comes like, no, some really killing it, man. I said, what's wrong with it? It looks so good. And of course, I was just like a cup of milk, man. There's like no texture to it whatsoever. <laughs> like, okay. But, but even as a, as a kid, you guys, your family grew up eating drinking coffee? Yeah. So I remember drinking Nescafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, dude, lots of sugar, lots of milk. Like I can still, I can, like when I go back to Kenya to visit my parents, um, and say I get I get you know somewhere in the in the booty somewhere for like driving somewhere and ask for a cup of coffee. That's that's one of my fondest memories of coffee because it tastes like water. 
it's just water with like some milk and cream and sugar and it's just like this is it man <laughs> <laughs> this is it uh, yeah. even, like, even like Kenya Kenya is like huge like a lot of beans are coming from, come mm-hmm. from Kenya right yeah so I guess living there is that, like coffee must be a massive thing in Kenya no not even no culture is growing the culture has grown a lot actually um, but growing up I grew up in an Indian family and we were all about tea like we would have like five o'clock tea um, like double boiled with the milk and all, that, all the ingredients in it um, and then coffee was like something that we would do after dinner because it would be cool to do um, but yeah coffee like honestly like we used to every Saturday my family when I would uh, would drive to uh Farms uh, just outside Nairobi, yeah. um, where my dad grew up in an area called Kiambu. We drive through all these coffee plantations, go to the dairy seg- uh, section of the farm, pick up milk, and then drive back. Right? I had, no. Inc- I had no inclination at that point that I would be like revisiting these farms yeah. as someone who wants to source the beans. Yeah. I had no idea. So you, you go back now and you check out the farms? Yeah. 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 Check out brokers, check out farms, taste coffee, it's amazing. So it's crazy. So you're, you're like you're like growing around, growing up around Mecca, and you don't even know it. You don't even realize, man. <laughs> um, what, I, what I want to ask you, and I think this is this is like, I guess something that um, you know, like be, being around like good product, like you know when it feels right, but sometimes you just don't have the vocabulary to explain like what, why, like I don't know why this feels good, but. The way this phone or whatever feels in my hand, the way uh, like this interaction feels, the way this tastes, it just mm-hmm. tastes good. Mm-hmm. And like for someone with like like myself, I can tell it's like shitty. Mm-hmm. But I don't like, know why. but I, when it's something's good, I don't know like the grades of good. You know, you know what I mean? Like I just know it after you have a shitty coffee, then you have something like say a Fahrenheit. You're like, oh shit, this is this is good. Right. Um, but like, I don't know. One high high level question is like, what's what, what makes a good coffee versus a bad coffee? Like, is there such thing as a bad coffee? Like, can you take even, like, a Tim Hortons bean and use it, and would it would it be all right? And, like, why why, like why, why is that? Okay, you can make you can make Tim Hortons coffee um, taste better, mm-hmm. I think. I've never actually tried to put it through my hoppers. Um, because there's so many levels of detail that you can go through to actually get, like, a, a better extraction out of it. Um, but the thing is, uh, it, it's, it's like it's like the pizza that we're eating right now. Good ingredients in normally means good uh, good ingredients out, good product out. Mm-hmm. If you've done it well, right? Um, you can take a four hundred dollar steak and butcher the shit out. Of it, yeah. Right. It may taste better than a ten dollar steak that you butcher the shit out of. Right. So if you're used to butchering it, then it'll taste better. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But. Um, uh, Ultimately, like it comes down to uh, the ingredients in and, the, and how you prepare it to make it. Like, but I, I guess, like, what what makes like a good good coffee versus bad, though? So, um, I guess we're talking about the bean. If, I guess, right? Yeah, the, the bean yeah. itself yeah. Has, has a huge impact. Um, uh, the thing that, you, as as a barista, you look for is creating balance in the cup. Mm. If you look at a meal or anything that you really enjoy, um, there are a few things that really impact um, impact how you feel about it. Yeah. Um, Taste balance, number one. Um, so we're always looking for coffee, always looking for a balance of sweetness, acidity, and bitterness. Mm. Right? There's a harmonious balance of that. And then everyone is, every, everyone has has that 
uh, capacity to be able to understand that. Yeah. Um, whether you're attuned to it or not, may, maybe uh, may, maybe you won't be able to determine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason you enjoy things is because you found balance. I guess so. so something's too acidic, that stands out as like, exactly. oh, it's, something's off. I don't exactly. know what it is. It's too sweet. It's, right. so, yeah. it's like putting yeah, too yeah. much salt on your dish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, that stands out. That's yeah. taken away from it. Oh, yeah. It's too salty. I don't like it so much. So um, I guess in the beans, you're looking for that balance in those different notes to exactly. get a bit of those three. Exactly. So I mean, the, the way you manipulate it is just um, through being able to um, use different amounts of water through different amounts of coffee to be yeah. able to, oh, and cook it for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So um, you get the perfect product. So I guess when you're when you're picking a bean though, you you go through the process not even just picking the bean, but like like uh, processing it, trying it, mm. and then like like how, how do you even so, go about selecting a bean then? So selecting a bean, you will have preferences and tastes and flavors. Mm -hmm. um, so um, when you get a bean from a broker, right? So basically you go online uh, on your broker's website, for example. Or when you go to Origin, you have a slew of coffees that you sample roast. <clears throat> sample roast is basically an indication of where this coffee could be, right? Mm. Um, and much the same as you just said that you know when you when you taste something you know that it's good, you taste something you know that it's not as good. Um, you go through that process and you say, okay, I'm going to taste this cup, 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 and um, one of those whatever stands out mm. for whatever reason right yeah. it's just the one that's got you you don't yeah. have to overanalyze it a lot yeah. of people will be like oh I really like this and this I really like this and this but this one's really no, just taste 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 the yeah. one that stands out that's the one so you guys just do pour overs or, or what no 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 we go through what's uh, basically it's called a cupping okay um, uh, you take a certain amount of coffee in hot water you let it sit for four minutes yeah um, there's uh, a few steps that you take to it uh, as soon as it's ground you smell it dry yeah right you can evaluate it at that point yeah um, and then you wet it, and you, uh, you basically smell it wet. Yeah. Um, well, as soon as the steam's coming up, you smell, see what it smells like. Often when you add hot water, different aromatics come, come to the surface. Mm. And then um, uh, you, uh, you basically will smell it wet again when you start what's called the break, because all the coffee rises to the top, all the mm -hmm. grounds rise to the top. Push it away and it just releases aromatics. Mm. Uh, I don't know who determined this, but whoever is a genius, because it works really well. Um, then you basically just slurp it, like you, you take a spoon and you slurp the shit out of it because you, like, you just aerate it as much as you can to see what you're getting. Um, and it's literally, that's, that's your cupping process. And you do it for X amount of coffees. Uh, usually you'll do like two or three cups of each coffee to make sure they're consistent between one cup and the next. Mm -hmm. um, because that basically gives you an indication of the quality of the bean. Hmm. So if you have, for example, a festival of, uh, of the same bean, right? And this, in, in the first festival, you have uh, two beans that haven't developed as well. And this one, you have none, right? That difference is going to come through in the cup, mm. right? Okay. So that's how we taste for quality consistency. Mm. Um, or you have three cups, it gives you a better average. Right. Um, and um, so that's, that's the process that we take. And then we say this, okay, I like this coffee. Now I want to roast this for production. Yeah. Um, so um, you have on your on your rose profile you have standard rose profiles that you can follow um, and once you do one of those you can decide how you want to manipulate that rose profile to accentuate different aspects of this coffee mm, okay right okay, okay. Uh, give the example of um, for example um, 
say you've got um, thin crust pizza. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thin crust pizza usually started off at a lower temperature and then it increases and gets like thin crusty base. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's that's been my experience. Okay, and I, I don't really know. That's how I do it. Like, yeah. I take my ristorante pizza, throw it in the oven, yeah. start it to cool, warms up a little bit, kind of nice, right? Yeah. Um, similarly, with uh, manipulating different temperatures within the roast curve, you can accentuate acidity, you can accentuate uh, the bitterness, um, and you can accentuate the sweetness by caramelizing. Mm. Um, so, so you like roast it longer to get sweeter? Like, does caramelization yeah, it, work yeah, the same exactly. way? Okay. Exactly. It's exactly like, like it's caramelization. Exactly what it is. It's yeah. like um, when you when you're roasting coffee, you're looking for optimal caramelization of the bean. So when the coffee hits the sweetest spot, mm. right? And that's done through um, basically taking samples out. At different stages in the in the roast before, whether it's 30 seconds apart, whether it's one degree apart, uh, over similar durations, and then yeah. you start working with something else called airflow, where you introduce airflow um, through the drum to basically um, clean out the coffee a little bit, but also like um, add a different form of energy to the coffee. Mm, okay. okay. Um, so all these factors can lend to how you develop your coffee for whatever purpose you're roasting for. Right. Right. Wow. Do, do people, so the airflow thing, do people like almost like, uh, do they like flavor that? Like, you know how people do barbecue? They do like different woods, they leave yeah. it like for like 18 hours or whatever, and it gets in, the, the meat infuses that, mm -hmm. gets that flavor infused. Yeah. Is that kind of similar to, to what happens here? I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know if people actually infuse flavor. Yeah, yeah. Most of the coffee, whenever it's flavored, once it roast, uh, once they roast it, they, um, they add a flavored oil when they mm. tumble it through. Mm. So when you have like Irish cream or uh, right. um, French vanilla, yeah, like all these are like infused right. um, with oils. Mm. But in terms of um, when you're using when you when you're dealing with specialty coffee, you, you don't want to introduce any extra aromas or aromatics. You want the coffee to shine on its own. Right. Right. So, so you're, you're trying to hit that max point, max sweetness point. Yeah. But if you pass that point, it just but it starts bitter. burning? Yeah. Is that, it okay. It's like caramelizing onions. Yeah. yeah. Right? And you overcome it's a little bitter. Yeah. Under caramel, it's going to be more acidic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit the sweet spot in the middle, honey. And that's just trial, trial and error kind of thing? Um, you, you have you have uh, indications. Oh, like, okay. Like uh, through the roast curve as to, uh, okay, when when first crack occurs, okay, you know the speed is a little bit less dense, then right. you can basically like adjust how you do it. But initially, when you're doing it, you basically got your roast curve and you start pulling it out at 12 minutes, 12 minutes, 5 seconds, 12 minutes, 10 seconds. Taste, minutes, taste. Yeah. yeah. And then you have those and you cup those. Yeah. Right? Mm. Then you say, ah, this is the sweetest. Okay, yeah. that's what I want. Oh, that's cool, man. And then you start messing that's with cool. that profile. You start yeah. messing around with, uh, with uh, different temperatures, um, the different ramp rates, or different, basically, how, how long you're going to bake it up, keep the color the same, because that color is the indication of sweetness, so how, how dark or light it's been roasted. Mm. And then you basically manipulate uh, all the parameters before then, how you get to that point over X amount of time right. to achieve the, the optimal result. But let's try it there. So, so I guess you could also just find a bean that just has way sweeter notes, essentially, mm -hmm. and that gives you more uh, more room for error, I guess, yes. in some ways? Yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at results, for example, really consistent year to year. Um, and um, there's... Uh, and you, 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 you're almost guaranteed that you're going to get that sweetness um, and that nut and that chocolate, which is why Brazilian coffees form at least 50% of 
of every blend that is produced in the world. Oh, wow. At least 50%. Okay. Um, for us, we just got the Brazil. We love it the way it is, so we don't want to add anything to it. Right? So that's why Diablo right now is Brazil. Well, Diablo's in Brazil? I, I yeah. can't remember anymore. Yeah, no, Diablo's, okay. Diablo's in Brazil. Sometimes we have uh, a location about Guatemala. We've got a, a blend of two different coffees. Mm -hmm. But blending coffee is another another whole beast in its own because there are, uh, you're dealing with two coffees that you hope are of similar density that you hope will will uh, give you the same, uh, well, yield the same, uh, yield the same density at the end of the, end of the cycle. It's yeah. like um, you have no way of really determining whether these coffees will work well together unless you actually put them together and extract them together. Right. Mm. I, okay, so I guess one, one uh, I guess story I know for you is like, I used to go to Jimmy's mm -hmm. um, because A, they're right across the street from me and you know, at the time they were kind of the only spot and they were quick and it was better than going to like Tim Hortons or whatever. And then I used to get Cortados there too because I like that it's not too much milk Mm -hmm. Enough to kind of cut the city, but then after a while, it just started tasting. It was more like they were giving me like lattes, and I was like, "No, this is too much milk now." And right. every time I go, it sometimes it would feel like a macchiato, sometimes it would feel like a latte, and I'm like, "This is that consistency was just shitty." Right. Um, but then I started going to you guys. It was it's a very consistent, um, but b there's like a there's a smoothness to the cortado. At Fahrenheit, that mm -hmm. I think I don't get anywhere, mm -hmm. and um, I don't know. I was gonna ask you if, if you could walk through like the, the details of how do you make the perfect like cortado. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the biggest thing behind the cortado is the temperature of the milk, because mm. there 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 are places all over the city that could that can um, make a really good shot of espresso. Yeah. Uh, but being able to uh, to balance that flavor out, right, and basically bring on everything, every nuance in that in that particular espresso bean, um, by adding milk um, and still maintaining how smooth it is, is is, is something that you, you you need help with. Mm -hmm. So um, for us, we pull the shot like we normally would, right? Um, right after that, what we do is you'll notice us breaking up the crema. Yep. Like we really give it a solid stir. We do that because um, before I sip an espresso, I always stir it, right? Espresso pours in layers, right? The crema is the most bitter part of this. Uh, that, that's usually at the top. Yeah, yeah. there's a thick layer of what's like whatever, it's like it's an oil. Yeah. So you mix that in, you really break it up, uh, you almost break it down um, because that provides you with consistency through any way that you sip it on the top of the cup, mm. right? Because when, uh, crema has a tendency of holding on to different spots as, as you pour the milk. Yeah. And when you break that up, it all becomes homogenous, mm. right? Um, so um, whether you sip it from one side or the other side, you're not getting any concentra concentration of different oils from the crema. Right. And, uh, you might get bitterness from one part, you might get uh, super milkiness from the other side. You don't know what you're going to get. So this basically ensures it's going to be homogenous. Um, the next step is the texture of the milk. Um, now what we discovered through lots of um, experimentation, trial and error, um, is how to texture the milk so you get beautiful flavor. Yeah. Right? And uh, oftentimes with high ratio of espresso to milk, right, you get a sourness mm. that's accentuated. Uh, also when you use cream, you get a sourness that's accentuated. It hits the size of your palate. Mm. Right? Um, 
so one of my objections was like how, how do I how do I make it and I, I made it a couple times I, I didn't understand why why it tasted different so I tested out a bunch of different ways of, of being able to texture milk um, uh, what do you mean by texturing milk? Texturing milk. Uh, introducing, like, I mean, when you steam milk, mm -hmm. um, the reason you get that layer of foam on the top is because you're introducing air, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, in the specialty coffee world, what you're doing is you're looking to introduce um, air through rotation rather than just injecting air. Like, so you, when you go to Starbucks, when you hear this yeah. really rancid sound, yeah. um, when, you, when you go to specialty coffee stores, it's almost like you hear a bit of a whistle. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the quieter the better. Okay. Um, for cortados, um, we don't introduce as much air, mm. right? So it's a really thin layer of, uh, of air that we introduce, but we still preserve that texture of the milk. Right. And by keeping it cool, um, uh, well, by warming it up but not overheating it, sorry, um, you maintain the sweetness of the milk. You basically activate the lactose. And I even realized this. You guys told me this about like. Because when you guys do the milk, you guys dump some of the milk. Yeah. And you're like, you want to get to the sweet, sweet part of the milk. Well, it's not really good sweet part, but it's it's getting the right texture. Mm -hmm. Because we're human, we make mistakes. Um, that initial dump ensures that all the stuff that's been um, as as you text, as, as you introduce steam and uh, air to the milk. Everything that's got air in it is going to rise to the surface. Right. Right? Um, we want to make that mixed in as much as possible. And sometimes you have too much on top. Mm. So we dump that out. Mm. Right? And then you have the right amount of milk with the right texture. And then when you pour that in, it's got the perfect amount of sweetness. It's at a, it's a, it's at a temperature that preserves the creaminess of the milk. Right. Right? Without adding cream. Because a lot of people add cream to compensate for that. Right? And um, you just got a really balanced drink. So I guess when I go to Jimmy's, I have like the the um, cortado there, and I feel like you get through the milk, and you just then you get straight to espresso. You, you feel like there's a sharp a sharp line almost of like exactly. So right? they've got a head of head of foam. Uh, just ba basically based on what you're saying right now, yeah. they've got a head of foam like that thing. So it's almost like if you sat it down a little bit, you'd be able to leave the foam on top and just set the drink underneath. It's also like you breaking down the caramel like you're talking about too, because I, I guess when you're saying it's like an oil. I guess it's almost like um, you make a salad dressing, oils are always going to rise, so it's mm. going to form like a barrier mm -hmm. in a way too, right? Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. And then I guess, and you guys do just tasting throughout the whole day. Yeah. So like, uh, so when, when you do the tasting, is it similar to the roasting process in, in that way? Like the sweetness. So if it's off, like why would it be off though? Like if, if it's all roasted in the same batch. So because, <clears throat> so when you're roasting, you also have to take into uh, take into account ambient pressure. Right? There are certain times of the day that are better to roast because of the pressure and the air pressure. So oh, basically, yeah, okay. it, makes it makes it a bit more consistent. I, I, I haven't roasted in a very long time, so I forget all my parameters. Um, but um, with coffee, the bean itself is porous. So if you have increased humidity through, say, the door being open, or say, more people being in the store, mm -hmm. um, or uh, say it's lower humidity through dryness or whatever it is because I mean, it's the winter time now, we've got to change the way we, uh, we dial in our coffee. Yeah. All these things can make a, a, make a huge impact on how coffee gets ground and gets like dosed into your, your portable. Oh, okay. Right? So these are all factors that we don't, a lot of people don't understand take to have an impact on, uh, on, on how you prepare your coffee. Hmm. So if there was more moisture, then what would you do? Would you 
you grind it differently? Or you would... No, you you would adjust the grinding and make it coarser or finer to be able to get uh, a similar flavor extraction at the end. Mm. And you might decide that okay, now initially I was I was extracting X amount of uh, coffee in 28 seconds. Yeah. Maybe I need to push it to 32 seconds. Mm. And that kind of makes sense. So if something's yeah. more like dry, then maybe you want. Would it be shorter or longer? Or you want more moisture through Long the thing, so I think okay, yeah. I, I, I would imagine. I don't know. Just, yeah. just. Uh, yeah, but yeah. we typically just will taste it, taste, taste. It. Like yeah. we have a we have a diagnostic chart that I've uh, that I made over yeah. the years that I've learned. Yeah. Um, and um, following that chart, a lot of the people just look at it, see, understand what they're tasting. Yeah. If you can, as long as you can understand how you feel it in your in your palate. Yeah. Um, then you can use the stretch to diagnose anything. So, so if you if you try it, you're like, ah, it's a little bit off. Yeah. Then all you're gonna do is really just adjust adjust the grind. Grind or like, the amount of coffee that goes in. Or the amount of coffee that goes in. Yeah. Interesting. Oh man. So how many times do you guys do it just like constantly throughout the day or what? Um there are so many indicators that tell you when you need to do it. How long it goes for, um, how long the shot runs. If it's going too slowly, then you're over caramelizing, you're burning it. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Hold on, Nick, let me replay your shot. Right? I didn't like the way that looked. Um, Pull another shot, taste it, see where it's at. Because it could be that it just took longer, but it had a similar result. Right. 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 Um, or it could be that this thing needs work, so then we'll make adjustments in the grinder based on that little chart mm-hmm. on how you feel things on your palate. Yeah. Make the adjustment, re-pull it, taste it. It's good. Hmm. And I guess for a cortado, it's like a like a balance of like equal amounts of cream to espresso or something. Milk to espresso. Yeah. yeah milk to espresso. Yeah. So. Why, why is it only, why do I have to drink the, the Cortado there? Which I actually enjoy, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, why, why, why not? Why do other people don't do it? Yeah. Or, or, or why, why not even you guys have a to-go to go cup? Oh, so you got a high ratio, we're talking about high ratio of espresso to milk, right? Yeah. So anything with a high ratio of espresso, and this is what happens, like, as soon as, as, soon as you, uh, you pour it into one of the paper cups, mm-hmm. you've got seeds in the cup, you've got a wax lining, you pour that into the cup, the oils, even though sometimes they might that bitterness is a component mm-hmm. of what we want in our espresso. It's something that adds a huge element to this espresso that you want. Yeah. Crema adds that. Yeah. Um, whether it's body or whether it's part of the flavor of the crema, whatever it is, um, that starts seeping into the size of the cup. Got you. Right? Okay. Um, so to have uh, to have that experience, right, you want to be able to have it in that cup. So we're basically putting our best foot forward. I don't want to ever yeah. put anything out there that people say, ah, this is okay. Yeah. Right? And the cortado and the espresso and the macchiato, these are drinks that we really take a lot of pride in. So why not do this? So same problem with the cappuccino or latte, though, no? Right, but yeah. because you've got a higher ratio of milk, mm-hmm. right, that loss is almost negligible. Mm. Okay. Right? Yeah. So you can still preserve the flavors of the coffee, right? Um, and it's still a cappuccino. Cappuccino will still be better in ceramic, right? right? But it's almost negligible. So for cortado, though, if I use like I couldn't do two percent milk. Does, would it have to be whole milk? You could. You could do two percent milk. One taste is good. One taste is it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the fat content in uh, in the homogenized milk just provides a texture that I think that I really love, and the sweetness also that you can really love. So I guess for, for, for you guys in, in like in this, in this game though, like milk is kind of like the the one external lever or one big external lever you have for kind of adjusting. Uh, the, the taste mm-hmm. and the balance, yeah. I guess, right? Oh, that's interesting, man. So, 
if I went to any other, so if you go to another coffee shop, like what's your taste to of like is this a good place or not a good place? Is it like americano? Or is it like no? I I, I go for espresso. Yeah. So I go for a cortado. Okay. Cortado, I, I I would say I shouldn't go for cortados. Just go for the espresso because I'm often disappointed with cortados because mm. they they do exactly. They, your experience at Jimmy's is a perfect indication of what I expect to find on the shops. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's cool. Um, so I guess the other thing I was gonna ask you was like, um, you know, everyone has this. Like a, what a cappuccino is, what a latte is, yeah. cortado is pretty standard across everywhere, yeah. right? Um, I guess it's all depends on the ratios of milk and if it's steamed or not steamed yeah. milk or whatever, right? And how it's, yeah, how thick or thin it's textured as yeah. well. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because it's like everyone's holding on to this almost like tradition of like what a cortado, a latte, whatever a cappuccino needs to be. Right. Um, but is that, tr- that tradition, is it really just like people holding on to that or is that, I guess all that is there for a reason? It's a good question. Like these ratios and everything else, right? Um, so you have you have people who come in and say this, and I just want a single shot, flat white, right? Um, because that's personally what they've understood that they like. Yeah. Um, Cortados, I don't know if this is standard definition. Cappuccinos traditionally those have one third, one third, one third, uh, one third of foam, one third of uh, milk, and one third of espresso, right? And that makes you a cappuccino. That's yeah. the traditional Italian way of doing it. Though you can still preserve that through texturing it uh, the way we do with the microfoam and preserving the flavor throughout the entire cup. Um, um, the, I think the definitions have come about because people have found that different ratios um, affect them personally a little bit differently. So like I mean, they, they may lend towards a more espresso forward drink but they still like, like a lot of substance mm-hmm. in which they would go for a cappuccino mm-hmm. or they want a dessert as a coffee so maybe they go for a latte yeah right mm-hmm. so that the sweetness in the milk is still preserved um, you have a larger drink um, and it still tastes good it tastes like dessert mm-hmm. for me I like for my dessert I take a cortana because I like the intensity of flavor and I like uh, I like the balance that you can achieve with that and all the nuances that you can experience with that yeah, I find like a, if I drink a latte, it's just it's too much. It's too much milk. Yeah, it's like yeah. you're not tasting the coffee. Either. No. Yeah, I and mean, a lot of people are sensitive to that, and they they maybe they maybe feel like they really like a large glass of milk. <laughs> yeah. With yeah. a different flavor to it, and that's yeah. really what it is. And whether yeah. we can accentuate the espresso through that, that's our job. So because it's a latte, because it's too much milk, you guys are gonna have it'll be like double shots, I guess. We do double shots. So everything that we do starts at double shot. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, just because, I mean, for um, uh, just the extraction itself, the, the chemistry behind the extraction is, is such that um, when you use a single basket, there is a slight um, cone-shaped filter, yeah. right? That causes channeling on either side, basically where there's resistance um, that coffee can't find its way through. So what ends up happening is you have um, over-extraction, which is bitterness. Mm. Coming through the sides and under extraction in the middle to achieve the same result, mm. right? So that's an off-balance shot. Right. So because the double basket has straight walls, even extraction the whole way through. So that's why we always insist on double shots. Oh, okay. But we can always pull it from one side to the next. Yeah, like yeah. our medium-sized yeah. uh, uh, cappuccinos and flat whites have three shots in them, but we just let one spill out. Mm. 
That's cool. I find it like crazy that um, you know you you learn Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit's are fucking amazing, um, but you're also in this area where there's just so much competition. Yeah. Right. And um, that's fuck. That that it's just like. I, yeah. I mean, so when this is something that I mean when I was when I was when I was teaching with the Canadian Music Academy, I got uh, mm-hmm. I got to help out with a couple of classes on made and said opening plans for, for coffee shops, and we were teaching a lot of people who. Um, uh, who wanted to open up coffee shops, who were curious about it. The barista classes I taught for Canadian Music Academy, both in Toronto and Montreal, I used to shuffle back and forth. Um, and um, the class basically just, um, uh, part of the research that was put into that was, um, where do you open up a shop? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, now, there are two schools of thought on this. The first is that open where nobody is. Mm-hmm. Right? Create the demand. Yeah. Um, and the second is open where there's a lot of shops, right? Because really the demand, demand is already there. Yeah. You're just providing another uh, another supply. Yeah. Right. So um, for me, the biggest drawing factor for for my locations, um, and maybe this goes back to me being cocky, as I can open up anywhere, yeah. and I'll yeah, have yeah. people coming in. And that yeah. was the mentality that I had when they first opened up F1. Yeah. Weren't too many coffee shops in the area. For me, it was the right size. So for me, size and relative location is important. <laughs> I can be out of the bubble. I don't mind. But at that point, when I first opened up, I felt like you know what? If you have a good product, people will come. <clears throat> right? Um, and I think one of the things that I realized over time is yes, we have a very good product. Do does everyone understand it? They understand whether it's a good coffee or not. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think people come back because of the service that we get. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Like it's crazy. Like we go in like, because you guys work on the kind of card system. Yeah. You have to remember like everybody's name. Yeah. Which is, I don't know how many people you have on file, but it, that must be really hard. We have a ton of people on file. Yeah. But it's and the thing is this is that, I mean, even before we had the card system, mm-hmm. right? It was. For me, I felt mandatory to learn people's names. Mm-hmm. And going back to why I still do this, why I still love it, is because of the interactions that we ha- I have with people. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I realized when I first started making coffee is like, people walk in, right? And they're there for a purpose, yeah. right? If you can make them walk out with a smile on their faces, dude, that's a good results. Like, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a guy to work for someone to say, oh, I've got a three-month-long project at the end of this. this these are the results I want to see. No, I want to see immediate results. Yeah. This is what I'm happy with. Yeah. This is, this is my self-gratification that I, that I... I love people walking away with a smile. Yeah. That, 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 for me, was the reason that I love doing what I do. Mm. Um, and I think that just happened organically, right? So learning people's names, right? I just felt it like, you know, like, I, this guy's coming into my shop. He's been in here... Twice this week, yeah. I don't even know his name. Yeah. So I made it compulsory for all staff members to remember his name, as many names as possible. Mm. And that just happened organically. So yeah. Remember names. Yeah. Before you remember the drink, remember their name. Wow. Yeah. Because remembering people's drinks is really easy. Surprisingly, it's really easy. You're making whatever five or six drinks every yeah. day, yeah, like yeah, seven yeah. drinks, whatever it is we're yeah. making. Um, but you you associate that person with that drink. Now change that drink association with their name and your clutch. I had a good question I just lost it because I had another question of like, like 
because you're the the latte art guy. How come you don't do a lot of latte art? <laughs> I do a lot of latte art. Do you? Not really. Me? You do like the the same a tulip. Deal. Not that I care. Or or, or the swan. Yeah, yeah, the swan, the heart. Tulip, swan, the heart. Yeah. Um, next time you roll the dice, tell me what you want to see. <laughs> Cortados are also a little bit more challenging to do because it's lower volume of milk. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm making excuses here. <laughs> um, but so, because I used to be the latte art guy, and because I understood the coffee is so much more than latte art, at competition you never judge on your latte art. Mm. You judge on the quality of your beverage. Yeah. Um, and how well you can make that work. So my focus on latte art has maybe moved over to. I do. I still love the latte art. Don't get me wrong. And I, I love. I love pouring out. Like weird and wacky things and that sort of stuff. I'll do a scorpion in the next one. Okay? Alright. All right. <laughs> I think actually what I love the most about going to Fahrenheit is kind of like, do um, you ever do like uh, eat sushi? Do you eat sushi? Yeah. You eat sushi, you eat the sushi bar, you have like this relationship with the chef. Like they give you one piece of sushi, one at a time, yeah. and it's purposeful, and it's like you, you, go, you do like a 12 course or something, he's building up bad experience for you but I like that about Fahrenheit because like Cochado I have to drink it there which I actually like it's a it's a break in my day but it's also like a it's it's like a direct relationship with with you or, or Maddie right. or Joe or whoever is like like um, yeah making the drink um, and it's, it's 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 like art in a way you know yeah. um, so and me personally I think that, that's what I like it's that, it's that kind of relationship um, through through the drink do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that, that honestly just means a lot because like, and this is again something that I realize, it's, it's more these relationships that we build in this environment. I mean, we're, we're in a society um, that doesn't really acknowledge another human being, mm-hmm. right? Um, or the realism behind a certain individual, right? Because everything that you post on Instagram, on Twitter, on this, Instagram is just basically um, a show of what you want people to believe your life is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We meet people. We yeah. build relationships. Yeah. Right? Um, and that for me is really, really, really important. Like, yeah. um, I, I feel like, uh, why are we not on ritual? Right? Because we can't build that relationship with people. Yeah. I don't want people to just be, like, come into my shop and just be a number. Yeah. Right? They walk in, ah, okay, your drink's ready at the side, it's been sitting there for two minutes, but you're late, so too bad, you gotta take it anyway. No man, we come in. Even dude, even if you even if we did take on ritual, we would remake that drink because we sit down there for a minute. Mm. So relax, you're gonna wait. This is why I'm not on ritual, man. Because I think there's there's there's, there's something nice in the actual ritual of going, lining up, and um, just being present. Even yeah. If it's like you know, it takes another five minutes. It's another five minutes. It's not end of what's the world. Ro- what's wrong with talking to people? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah what's yeah. wrong with talking to people? Yeah. If if I understand if you're just like yeah, what's wrong? And that's cool. Like you, don't, you don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, but if you're ready to engage with us, we will engage. Yeah. Like we are happy. We want to encourage it. Like we have customers who used to come to F1, to Fahrenheit One. Um, people who wouldn't say a single word. Literally, they actually they say one word. Yeah. I remember this one guy clearly. His name's James. He's an architect here. I can't remember second name. Who come in? Espresso. Stand on the side. Long story short, he was riding on Richmond that way. Yeah. He saw me into the window, 
jammed his fucking brakes, looked for traffic. This guy's like in the 70s. <laughs> Ran across, put his bike like, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> Think about this, man. For the first like three months, he said one word to us. And you break those barriers, and that is, dude, for me, that's, that's bliss, no, that's man. Cool. That's, that's cool. bliss, man. Yeah. That's special, because you know what? I got a million ways to get it. Shoes one. Shoes one. Hey, bring it back, bring it back. Now double your money and make a stack. I'm on to the next one. On to the next one.